Welcome to The Danger Room, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast focused on helping you to prepare for the opponents you are yet to face. We discuss strategy, tips, tricks, and things you should be considering to level up your gameplay. You can continue the conversation with us on our free Discord, and if you've been enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon if you're in a position to do so. Links will be in the show notes. This is a competitive-focused podcast, so bear in mind that our opinions are focused through that lens. Regular members include Jacob, Sploosh, Mike, and Chewie. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another week of The Danger Room. And uh, I'm hosting today, and I have Sploosh and Jacob Deaton. Hello. With me today. Who are you, uh, Mike? Who am I? <laughs> you said you're hosting. Who are you? I am a, I am a washed up scrub of an MCP player. Truth, second <laughs> fiddle now. Yes, yeah. No, Deaton is has surpassed me, and uh, he is the better player for sure. Uh, but maybe better web warrior player. Uh, it's probably just a better player. I uh, I'm making <laughs> misplays. <laughs> kind of suck these days. I'm washed up. Yeah, Didn't make okay. last season. It's making me extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, real talk. Deaton is uh, one of our friends. He hangs out in our little dojo channels that we have, and he plays games with us. And he also is a Web Warriors enthusiast, like myself. You know, Deaton actually is breaking the rules as a testing partner because I, you had introduced him as the guy who won't play the same thing as you. And would play like Brotherhood and stuff. And then now you guys are just two Web Warrior players. So True. Um. Yeah, Deaton played Brotherhood <laughs> and then Midnight Suns for a long time. Yeah. And now we have converged. Yeah, we need new so. testing partners maybe because we, we're we becoming too like <laughs> team like Everyone's synchronized. becoming yeah. the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and we want to celebrate our differences. So Yeah. So maybe that's something to think about for later. But I don't know, Dean, what... Talk about yourself. Who are you? Uh, yeah, so name's Jacob Deaton. I've been playing MCP since last January-ish. Um, played in the TTS leagues. The majority of my time is online, um, just with life and uh, smaller local scenes. So get to get to play a lot of stuff. Uh, I think you guys just beat up on me too badly when I played Midnight Suns. Um, so I had to switch to something that was a little better. Otherwise, just lose games all the time. Um, so you can blame yourself, Doug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, it's been fun uh, growing, you know, um, going to the, playing in the TTS leagues and then uh, re- get spotty events here and there. Um, so, you know, it's always fun to go to the live events and uh, got to figure out how to get to more of those. It's my goal for the year is to get to as many kind of in person. TTS is a great, it's awesome. It just doesn't replicate it. Um, quite the same so yeah i mean you played uh you were at second win last year yep and then played sons then yep yep so second win was my first uh live event first time i'd played anybody other than like my brother um on our live table and then so that was kind of i got bit by the bug i would say there and from there it's you know looking at lvo and nashcon all these other big events the year. So, uh, question: Have you done have you done events for other games? 
No, this is my first minis game. Oh my um, gosh, virgin. Yeah, I picked up the box one day, like, during COVID, and uh, it's like, superheroes, cool. And started painting stuff, got up, played a home game, um, and everybody in the house hated it, <laughs> except for me, because of, you know, it's more complicated than Monopoly, I guess. Um, and so... After that, it was found the TTS Discord and was like, oh, this is a great way to kind of learn this game and play. And it's just kind of fell in love and been playing ever since. Yeah. Just like the rest of us. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. So we're going to talk about today, we'll talk about some Heimdall stuff uh, and probably skip the rest of the mini extravaganza until we get rules for the rest of the characters. We're going to skip Scourge today because. I'm talking about Heimdall's probably enough for that, and none of us have played him. No, we've played a little bit of Heimdall, not Scourge, so we'll talk about Heimdall. And uh, then we'll do some... Deaton and I competed at the Bug Eater GT, which was in Omaha, Nebraska last weekend. And uh, we'll talk about a little bit about that, and then we'll just talk about some like Web Warrior stuff for the end of the episode. So, Heimdall. What do you guys think? Sploosh. Uh, Heimdall, the all-seeing. You gotta keep that part in. Ah, there. true. All the Asgardians <laughs> have like these weird titles. Like it's not weird. Like Thor, Prince of Asgard, and Queen of Hell, or whatever. So, well, I think everybody was shocked he he used three threat. I'll just start with that. Uh, I was shocked a little bit. I think the majority of people thought he'd be a fourth threat. He just has this presence to him where you just are like, oh man, he's so cool. He has to be a, a tough character. Um, but three threat's awesome for Asgard. Uh, I think on paper he looks squishy. He's just a three-three-three with uh, six health and then five uninjured. That puts him with Valkyrie. Uh, Valkyrie got away with it because she was kind of the glass cannon that uh, people talk about. You know, put out the offense. Uh, I think just playing him in Asgard, he'll have more survivability than people realize just from having the leadership under Thor. Um, you know, I, I'm happy with a six health character. Uh, just because we've done the math in the ancient times, and basically having that one extra health increases your survivability a lot. It's it's basically the equivalent of having like say four 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 dice. And I think Jacob even was kind of like proving it's potentially even better than having four 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 for defense. So uh, that's interesting. Um, as a character, he feels like a kind of a um, like a weird like almost like a melee shuri to me. That's the impression I get from her or, or him. Um, just the, the kind of combo esque, like improve your dice thing that he does, and it's similar, right? If you pay two, you can add two dice. That's basically what Shuri does, except she could theoretically do three or one. But that's he starts with two power, where Shuri wouldn't do that. So he can it, all seeing eyes is online immediately. That's actually, in, in fact, even his uh, forefend is that how you say it? Yeah, that's also online immediately, which is cute because. If you put him on a point like um like a midline point, he can just get free at- attacks on people who move next to him. Uh, yeah, I think he's like, but he's got like, like kitchen sink kind of thing going on where he does all kinds of things. Uh, even more than Shuri with the ability to interact with tactics cards and crisis cards, it's crazy. Um, uh, it's just hard to wrap your head around people like him interacting with someone using a reality gem is pretty wild. Um, you could, I don't know. It seems like the sky's the limit with like what that could mean for the game in the future too. Maybe even for objectives that don't exist yet. 
Um, but anyway, uh, I think he's like such a solid pick for Asgard. It's not even a question on discussing that. Uh, also, I, I hate to feel like I keep rambling, but I, I, I guess I'm just like loving this guy because I can't stop the talking about different parts of him. His spender is kind of awesome. Uh, the fact he can push infinite size for only medium. three power. Yeah, yeah, medium distance uh, for only three power when he starts with two every turn. So he just needs to get one power somehow, and, and that thing's online, which there's many, many ways to do that. It could be just as simple, simple as playing on infinity. Um, but that spender's crazy. I, it's probably one of the best in the game. I mean, it's tough to beat, like... Um, the hail to the king really but it's close um but yeah i i really like the character i think he'll see some splash play uh probably one of the most obvious is like avengers since he's got so many abilities that interact on the opponent's turn uh or other characters turns i mean he's just flooded with that really he's very um reactive to the game and uh i think he might be splashed overly too i think Everyone's going to just start forcing him into like every affiliation. It's probably a mistake, but it's not to say he's, he's a really, really good character. And to even be discussed in the unaffiliated list as like a really good character is such a compliment to him. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I'll be curious to hear what you guys say uh, and things maybe I missed here, but yeah, I think he's really cool. Dean, what do you think about him? I'll go last. Yeah, I, I think I agree with a lot of what Sploosh said. Um, you know, I think thematically the fact that he's going to be relevant in kind of everywhere in the game at every phase his turn opponent's turn um is really cool it's he's the all-seeing he's going to be relevant um so i thought that was really cool really great um i i really do agree that he'll probably be splashed too much um just with he does so much it's it's and he's cool like the character's cool the model's cool so i we'll see a lot of him i i expect um the key, it really does feel like the key to figuring him out is what are you doing with his power? Because it will be limited. Um, you're not yeah, going to be true. able to do everything all the time. Um, so really figuring out how to maximize what you are doing with him um, will, will kind of be key to how successful he is as a splash. But yeah, it's it's a great card. I I was surprised at how many different things he has on it. I mean, there's a lot of different abilities in different places um but everything looks pretty good when you read each piece too so it's uh i love what he does for asgard um i love that the character feels like he has meaningful decisions um across the board so yeah i think he's i think he's a home run um as as a release you know depending on just in general for the kind of the characters that i like to see come out um He's not going to be. He doesn't. Well, he could be broken, but he doesn't look like <laughs> he doesn't look like he is right now. Right? Um, we'll see how those crisis no. three rolls work out. But, um, but it looks like you know there's a lot of decision making to happen with him and a lot of, um, a lot of stuff going on. My one, my one gripe with him is maybe that he should have been a bigger base and been a little faster. Um, but I think that's uh, splitting hairs. My, the, I do need AMG, though, to release the Rainbow Bridge texture that's on his base in, like, a small pack so I can buy it for all of my Asgardians. I'm going to be mad when it's only Heimdall that has the Rainbow Bridge and everyone else just kind of is sitting there. So I'm going to have to figure out <laughs> get those for all of them. But, no, I, I love him. I think he's great. Does he have a Rainbow Bridge thing? 
Or are you gonna like three D print something? I'm no, it's on his base. He has yeah. one like. Coming. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it looks really cool. I think it's. it's awesome. Oh, yeah, it's part of his. I, I have seen that. Yeah, yeah. it kind of like circles him or whatever. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That is cool. Yeah, so some stuff about Heimdall that hasn't been talked about. Um, yeah, I do agree that he probably will get overly splashed, kind of like how Iron Fist was when he came out. Everyone was playing Iron Fist. Like, yeah, um, but some cool things about Heimdall. He his forefend you can park him on the middle point, like you said, and like if he's gonna swing into like a three 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 defense character with like no reduction, there's probably a pretty good chance he just refunds his forefend power through the attack. Mm, sure. Uh, so it's pretty easy to just throw that out at people, and uh, you can also trigger it off of any movement. So like you can throw people like into range of forefend, and then he can oh swing God. at them, it's or like, you can. Uh... Like, Tag team wrestling moves. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love it. You can throw him into the clothesline. And nice. then uh, he also he also makes Asgard like even better on flip secures, which they're already playing. So like now Thor and Angela and like I guess Hella if you want to play her, but they can flip over like one to two characters probably pretty consistently with him. Wow. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because it's consistency and it's just like a redo. It's kind of both. Right. Yeah, you're rolling yeah, like four cool. dice, reroll two, looking for like two to three successes is probably pretty good. So. Yeah, and it's really good with like the Angela Thor because they have such a high amount of dice in general anyway. Exactly. But then, yeah, because if you know if you're only rolling two, then like reroll two is still good, but it's not as good as like if you could do the four. You could even get some right. skulls out of your roll if like you really don't want to take that hit. And like you know, meteors. Oh, that's pretty. Oh uh, cool. no, you can't mod the skulls. Oh right, because it's still a skull at the end of the day. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Rude. So unless I guess if you're playing like Miles' leadership, you could mod your skulls on Crisis Interact rolls with Heimdall, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Um, but and he also so I think also playing sword is pretty pretty sweet with like mono asgard now because you could play something you could just go leaderless and play like enchantress valkyrie heimdall like double two threats and that's pretty sweet to me on like 14 sword i mean back in sword the would days, be double 50 50 too right yes exactly back in the day i mean we were playing valkyrie enchantress on sword anyway at 14 mm-hmm. so obviously enchantress isn't as crazy but she's still very good on sword yeah she really is she still has the beam. She still has bow. two power to bow someone. Yeah. R and D's a little nerfed, but it still works. So Yeah, Chantra's going later in the round anyway. So Yeah. I mean Valkyrie doesn't have her walk walk throw interact with R and D, but uh, Valkyrie can now just walk, walk, interact and then R and D to Enchantress but or something. You could also just use Heimdall to enable the Valkyrie and an Enchantress, or let Valkyrie enable Heimdall uh, and Enchantress. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. There. So, yeah, yeah and, and, and if, obviously if you just play higher threat sword, you can start bringing in Thor, and then you're probably feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, push that soft forefend as well, which is kind of cute. Yeah, yeah, forefend can trigger, like, Mysterio's tricks and traps, yeah, just anything, whatever. anything in range. Yeah. That's great. Teleports, I'm... play pushes, throws, whatever. I, I tend to agree with Deaton, but I'm curious to bounce it off you, Mike. What do you think about what uh, Deaton said about he doesn't really have the power to do everything on his card. Like you will actually have to kind of choose a little bit um, how to like, cause especially like in the first, maybe like two or three turns, you know, 
Unless he's getting his yeah, I think, like, pounded <laughs> with damage. Or yeah, if you, yeah. so in my experience, I've like tried to just kill him. And he's actually like tankier than you think because you can start just paying two to reroll two. So he's like, you're trying to kill him like basically with spider sense. Oh, and man, he's like cool. kind of annoying to kill. And then I guess if he's an Asgard, he has Odin's too. So it might just be better to try to ignore him a lot of the time. Um, yeah, he, he does, his, so his weakness is his mobility. Right. Well, at least for himself. Yeah, his oh, wait. mobility being like wait. there's action economy, but he also has like he can teleport himself. Yeah, what so is... he can pay three to charge basically. Oh my god, is there anything this guy can't do? <laughs> it's, he's pretty sweet. Oh man, he can just lead. Like that's so funny. I didn't realize that because uh, Cyclops can't uh, leadership himself. Right, it's only allies that he can. You move mean around. field commander? No, Cyclops. Yeah, can field commander. Himself. So Guardian of the Bifrost is just strictly better than than Cyclops' ability. Uh yes. It's also uh, a place, so it ignores is, elevate like terrain. Is Guardian of the Bifrost once per turn though? Per character, yes. But it's, it's once per character. Uh yeah, it's yeah, once yeah. per character. So it does seem like it's just better than Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh my god that's crazy okay wow he can move himself so this guy's just a menace if you if you can get him to like 10 powers somehow he'll find a way to use all of it yeah yeah he's really cool <laughs> um, you can also there's another weird interaction i think that got ruled where you can uh if you have him and your opponent is using well-laid plans into you you can re-roll those dice into those characters. <laughs> no way. Something along those lines. Like if you're the spider foes player playing Heimdall, you can't use him to reroll your well-laid plans. But like if you're the, on the receiving end of well-laid plans, you can reroll the dice. I could be wrong, but I was hearing some talk about that. Oh, I've, I'll check that out. The wording. Cause that's wild. If it's true, it, it, it depends on like who's rolling the dice, right? Like, yes, Exactly. Yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah, I, overall, he's a super awesome character. Like, I won't be surprised to see him a lot across the table. Yeah, I think I, we'll I'm see not him a lot. sure about the ignorum thing, but definitely, I like. At the end of the day, Valkyrie was still squishy and died to everything. And I and when I played, I played a lot of Valkyrie once upon a time, and even with Dormammu, and I never expected. Valkyrie to live after like my initial blow them up, you know. Um, you, I mean, obviously, if Valkyrie lives, it's awesome. But mentally, I kind of was like always open to the idea that Valkyrie was gonna die. Yeah. Um, also, the big thing on this guy is his reroll range is only range three, where like typically Shuri is range four. Those effects, so he's got to be a little closer. Yeah. And he, I mean, his negative is he he has no range attacks beyond range two, so right. Uh, he kind of has to get up there if he wants to contribute on his own. He he, you know, you, I don't think you want to play him entirely like a Shuri character. No, no, no. But I I do feel like he's in the upper tier of support characters along with. I don't know how I feel about Shuri these days, but Gwen for sure, and uh, there's other support characters I'm not thinking of. Really yeah, and, and well, and there are like other leaderships. Like I think, even Cabal, he might like anywhere he can get tons of power. Um, just 
yeah, more power, more good for this guy. I, I, th- I can't remember. There was some other leaderships I felt like he was pretty solid in. But just throw him in with mags. You can teleport him, and Magneto can push people into Forfend, and he gives more consistency to the the six True. die. And Mad will, mags will feed him power, which is what he wants. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Hamdal's great. We're happy for Asgard. They've been in the they've been in the toilet for a little bit now. <laughs> yeah, I think if you were. Stuff. I think if you were excited for like or anticipating an Asgard release, I think this is this is good for you. You're you're not disappointed in this. Yep. Yeah, I mean, looking at well laid plans, it just says roll five dice for each enemy character holding an objective token. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, Thoris was saying something about like it depends on like who is rolling the dice. I, I don't know for sure, but I, I was yeah. hearing talk of this, and it sounded weird and fuzzy. So I, they'll make a ruling on it at some point. Yeah. Yeah, the reason it comes to mind is because, like, Green Goblin's leadership I find kind of awkward because it's like the opponent's rolling the dice and then you're telling them to re-roll it. And, like, there's kind of that, like, instinct of, like, I'll, I'll re-roll it for you. But, like, in real life, obviously, you want you don't want to grab someone's dice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we're on TTS. I, I might be more inclined to speed the process up and just click the dice or choose it for them or whatever. Maybe not roll it. But, you know, it's that etiquette thing is all I'm saying. Right. Um, which just comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, Black Swan has that effect now too. So, yeah, good point. Uh, same with yeah, the, same with the ASM too, right? He can make people re-roll their attack dice. So, yeah, it's kind of a little tangent here, but like I, I this is just my way of doing things. I've got I've taken from other games, but for example, uh, with X Men, you have cover, right? So what I do is I roll my defense dice, and then if I'm done with re-rolls, and let's say I have cover, I won't touch my dice. Um, I'll like declare cover and I'll tell my opponent I'm using cover, but in my opinion, obviously more real relevant in real life, but the less you touch your dice is the better for everybody. Um, you know, like, is it really a point in me going and grabbing one of the dice and flipping to show you there's a shield on it? Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and it can create conflict when you're fiddling with your dice a lot where maybe you like accidentally bump another die and then there's like a conflict over what your results were at all. Uh, people just don't like it when you're fiddling with your dice. If maybe they're also dealing with their own dice and maybe like it's you, it's good intentions, but in the corner of their eye, they see someone playing around with their dice when like, you know, the whole situation hasn't been figured out yet. So it's just a little rule I've kind of applied and I've seen in other games. It's kind of a concept. Uh, so I don't know if you guys have a, a thought on that or is that how you guys tend to do it or. Um, you know. uh, yeah, it depends on if my opponent has like reactionary things going on. You know, so we have to like slow the stages of the combat down. Yeah, and this isn't like a gamesmanship thing either, where I'm like trying to like hide that I have cover either, right? I just think touching your dice unnecessarily is is generally not a good idea. Like, and declaring cover in my, I, I don't think it's like confusing math you know (laughs) where like let's say i got like one block and then there's like a blank you know and it's like okay i'm gonna make that blank cover Uh, you know it's flipping to a shield um you know it's not like oh how do you add one plus one this is too much for me you know yeah Um, but anyway that's just something i've done and I, i would recommend most people try to do that um as much as possible uh, just because you like, I've had situations. I don't know if you guys have had where like basically you just don't agree with your opponent on what the results were. Like maybe because have you ever seen that guy where he'll roll his dice and then immediately pit scoop him up 
And it's like, dude, like, why did you have to do that? Like, <laughs> like I thought I only saw like two hits there. You say it's three. And how do I know? Like, you just took your dice and picked them up, you know? Uh, and you don't want to have those conflicts. It's unnecessary in a game. Yeah. Where you're trying to have fun. So anyway. Yeah. Don't fiddle with your dice unnecessarily. It makes sense. Uh, okay. So like I said earlier, Deaton and I played at Bug Eater GT, which is in Omaha uh, last weekend. Uh, Deaton won. He won the whole thing. Has finished. Uh, what was your final record? Was it like six and one or something? Uh, yeah, six and one over the two days. Yep. Uh, I got third. I, I was five and two. Um, we talk about our. We'll talk about our top cut games. It cut to a top eight, and uh, we both played Web Warriors. Um, Mono webs. There was our characters were identical outside of one model. I think I had Hood, and then you had uh, Corbox Parker. Yeah. And crises were the same, except I had Hammers instead of Montesi, which is what you had. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, I think the lists were identical. Uh, past that, yes. And uh, yeah, it's good to see the webs take another event down. Yeah, they're they're hot right now. Apparently, winning a lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Zach won won a qualifier in in Texas, I believe, with them. Matt Alex won a qualifier with them as well. Hell Cannon almost won his qualifier yesterday with them. Got second. Came in second in what Atlanta? Uh, Seattle. Oh, Seattle. Okay. Yep. Um, don't forget, you won LVO. And I took down LVO with them. Yes, a little bit of help from Black Order, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, I mostly yeah Blackwater basically won me like one game against Nate I like lost and they weren't super relevant the rest of the time but, <laughs> uh, but yeah. maybe you guys can talk about that later as why you didn't bring Blackwater this time because like, I believe you didn't right yeah so I guess we could we could talk about why we switched off Blackwater because um, Deaton was going to play my web's Blackwater list at LVO but he had some life stuff come up and wasn't able to make it um What's a bummer? I didn't get to meet him. Yep. Yeah. But Dang uh, kids. at least in the LVO times, like before that event happened, uh, I realized quickly. I've talked about this with like Voodoo and Cat and the single extracts, and I don't think I played against Voodoo at all at LVO the whole entire event. I, I so I was like just legged up on people, and having those single extracts is like viable with Web Warriors when your opponents aren't able to deal with that as well as you are now I find that people are way too aggro focused and like people have optimized fighting with like guardians and that sort of thing and dead extracts. So I've moved away from that with the flooding extracts with spider infected cubes and whatnot. Um, And black order doesn't like those extracts at all. So (laughs) Uh, I don't know, Dean, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, so we played them, um, was going to play them in LVO, like you said, and then played them in the last season of the TTS League. And afterwards, I just, I like the tension that playing Black Order brings, right? Like every activation matters a lot. It makes for a very kind of tense game in a good way for me. Um, but I don't like Black Order themselves. Like, I don't, I don't enjoy playing Thanos and Corvus. And yeah, I don't like, either. I it's like, okay. Means to an end. Yeah, right. So it's like, I'm going to click... You know, I'm going to pay my two power and I'm going to just try and roll really well. And if I don't, great. If I do, great. Like, um, it's kind of unfun for multiple people. Um, 
And so I decided to just kind of move away from that and see, you know, what a, what a single mono webs look like. Um, and then through just kind of working with, you know, out a lot of the roster stuff with you and it, it worked out. Um, it's, they're pretty similar. I, I refuse to cut Peter, but it's I yeah, mean, it's just me yeah, being yeah. stubborn more than anything. Yeah, I mean, you were like, this is probably a concession, but I'm going to play... This is for Bug Eater. He's like, this is probably a concession, but I'm going to play Parker anyways, just because I like him. Oh, like, yeah, do it. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, hey, you're the one that won. I didn't, so... <laughs> yeah, and he, he made the table. That's That was the important part. I hadn't put him on the table until the top eight um, at the event, and I was like, okay, I have to play him. And he showed up in two of the three games. Yeah, so you're, you're, you had one loss on Saturday. We played four games. You had one loss to Aaron Spellshock, and he was playing his Midnight Suns Black Order that he had yep. at LVO. He's playing the same mm-hmm. thing. And then you got a rematch against him in the top eight. Yep. And uh, Parker Parker came out. Yeah, it was uh, kind of the, the games were mirrors. So the first game on Saturday, he wins uh, Pryo and picks Secures, and it's like demons. And um, I played way too cagey uh, and just ended up not dying too much. Right. Um, and then Sunday I won Pryo and I was able to put him on uh, mutant madmen. I, I think I'm fairly advantaged in that matchup. Um, and you know, he failed to kill black cat at one point. And if you've played against or with black cat a lot, leaving her on one often signals that you're going to lose the game if you're playing against her or win the game if you have her. Um, Brutal. She's just, once she has power, I think there was a turn where she staggered Corvus, hopped, stole something, med-packed, and ran away. What, what yeah. do you do against that, you know? So, um, but yeah, I thought, you know, I learned some stuff from the, the Saturday game and was able to pull it out on, on Sunday, so... Can you guys quickly tell us your roster, the 10 characters you brought, Deaton? Uh, um, yeah. So the roster was uh, Miles Morales, uh, Gwen, Black Cat, Moon Knight, and then I had Peter Parker for those of the Web Warriors. And then uh, it was Black Panther, Juggernaut, Iron Fist, Vision, and Toad. Uh, tactics, Advanced R&D, all webbed up. Brace, uh, Do You Know Who I Am, Heroes for Hire, Medpack, Mission Objective, Sacrifice, Spider Tracker, and The Cat and the Spider. Uh, Secures were Mutant Mad Men, uh, Spider Portals, Scoundrels, and then Extracts were Spider Infected, Cubes, and Montessi. Wow. Oh, man. There's, I got all kinds of questions on that list, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you can keep going with your questioning, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like I said, mine was the same. We'll come back. I, I had, I had Hood and, and Hammers instead of Parker and Montessi. But yeah, so, uh, so we could, and then I guess your, your top four game real quick was your top four and the finals game were into Wizards. It yep. was uh, David Lease and Peyton Priest respectively. And yeah, both, both very yeah, scary. Ahead. Both very scary games. Um, Wizards, I think, conventionally are probably a pretty bad matchup for Web Warriors, um, especially ones that are splashing characters like Panther and Iron Fist. And, um, there's just a lot that the Mystic stuff can do. Um, I was able to uh, go with my very highly practiced plan of rolling priority better than my opponent. Um, That's true. All, all, you all got priority three out of three times. I did. Yeah, Sunday. I was. 
I was one in five or two in five going into Sunday on Pryo, and it kind of it swung back for me, which I think was huge. Um, I was able to play. I think I played all three of my secures. Um, I played Mad Men Scoundrels. Yeah, you played Scoundrels then, in the second game. Yep. Yep. And then uh, Spider Portals in the finals. Portals. Yep. Uh, yeah, and I was just able to kind of uh, make it happen. Uh, this the Scoundrels game was was tight. Uh, I was able to get the extract. It was scroll, I think. Um, played keep away long enough. Just with a, I had a model advantage because convocation is expensive. Scoundrels keeps enough points on board, but wizards are, I think they're very good at scoundrels. Um, I agree. They're, yeah. It's Strange the can worst. hop between the points and he can scalpel characters off of them. Yeah. So. Yeah. They have a lot of mobility. Um, my opponent ran Jean in that game. Um, shout out Sploosh. Um, <laughs> and I, I wasn't expecting it quite frankly. So I didn't bring brace. I was like, Oh, they don't have throws. And she just one rounded my black Panther twice. Um, which is, you know, punishment for bringing Panther into the Wizards, but... Uh, yeah, that did. was kind of brave. Uh, I figured on Scoundrels it was still okay if I could keep him safe, um, which I failed to then do, but uh, I didn't repeat the mistake in the, the final. I did not bring Panther, so... Yeah. And then the finals game was into Peyton, and uh, I lost to Peyton in the top four. I, that game is up on YouTube on Infamous' channel. I played terribly, that's like one of the worst games I've ever played from like just playing MCP. I just not play well at all. Peyton played very well. And uh, that's a cool game. If you're interested in watching good, some good wizards play, if you're trying to look for Wizards play, don't bother. This <laughs> <laughs> is just terrible. So. Yeah. I mean, I would echo that, but you know, in our fight in our final Peyton played just really incredible wizards play. Um, it's a tight game. We played herbs and spider portals uh, in the final, which was really happy with spider portals. I was extremely unhappy with herbs because basically I'm on a clock and I have to just hope to not die. Um, and then he. What brought, are you talking about? You can score herbs four points four VP every turn. Yeah, you certainly can. That's yeah, a quick game, right? It's like <laughs> two or three turns, right you there. Know, I'm not sure how I won. I didn't think of that. Um, <laughs> No, you know, with Wizards, you know, he, so he brought Space Maw, which is terrifying, Strange, um, Voodoo, and Mordo, which the four wide was, ended up, I think, costing him. But those are uh, what I thought were three excellent models in Mordo, and now I'm just deciding that they're four excellent models. Um, Mordo is very good, especially into Web Warriors, just being able to counteract pushes, basically at will. Um, and then with their leadership, he can also place. So it's like... I can really and he, had, and he had four energy dice for the spider portals. Yep. And he obviously has mystic attacks. He's a push. He's like medium base. He's pretty quick. Yeah. So Mordo was actually very good that game. Yeah. You're referring to vaulting boots of Valtor. Yes. yes. Pushed, you spend two power and he can advance short in any direction. Yep. Yeah. So what would happen is like I would impact webbing and I would do or a damage. Toad. <laughs> yeah. Or like a toad and I would, he would, place and then move and so if i got the push he would be further like he was able to just move himself into a more advantageous position so it was kind of useless to attack or try and pull mordo um so i was rolling uh yeah i was rolling contested flips all day but uh, toad continuing to prove that he's probably the best two threat in the game just decided to roll two hits on everything no skulls so 
Yeah, Tobe was a menace. He was just running around flipping all the points back. Just doing laps. Yeah, he was just running vertically between the two center spider portals every turn and rolling really well while doing it. Um, so, Also, yeah. Parker had a... Uh, was it round three or something? Peyton played Ironbound books, and Strange had the herb with like a damage on him, and then Parker shot him with impact webbing and like one-shot him yeah. through books. Well... Yeah, yeah, you, you know, somebody had watched No Way Home um, apparently right before the game, um, exactly. but yeah, it was yeah. I think the game it was a very good game um, on all sides. I do think that I had some some pretty favorable dice um, in a couple, especially in some key moments. Um, you know, Parker, Dazing Strange. Uh, I think Black Cat and Toad both lived on one at separate points in the game. Um, I. He had Space Maw, who was just terrifying, quite frankly. Um, I hadn't, I'd heard stories, but I hadn't seen him on the table. So I was pretty, I, I went into the game pretty scared of him. Um, but I was able to mitigate a lot of what he did um, throughout the game. Uh, so knowing that Herb was on the table, um, so stealing can be helpful, but isn't probably the best because it doesn't help me score. Um, I just went into stagger everything with black cat mode yeah so let's talk about this a little bit real quick so space maw is making the rounds in the community people are starting to catch on this character's good sploosh gave a good analogy earlier today that space maw is essentially modok with red skull teleport for an extra threat so (laughs) i think that's a very uh apt analogy um so yeah their attacks are similar they both throw stuff it's only terrain but it's amazing uh, and, and actually, Ma throws better than Modok does. Yeah, they throw the same distance, except Ma can throw size four. Modok caps at three. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ma's faster. He has you know the tele- he has Red Skull teleport built into him with the gem. So oh, and he actually has the better bow now because they both advance people just differently. Instead of bow, he does it on his attack. Yeah, Ma, Ma could roll double wilds on two different attacks and get like a double advance, which is better than one bow. Uh, yeah. So yeah, no. There's a lot to like about Space Maw, but uh, I think Dean and I have figured out some ways to counteract this character. Uh, we will share those just because I don't like big beaters and I want the community to be better at fighting them. <laughs> yep. Uh, so we found that if into any any if you're playing Black Cat into any uh, like tall list that has some character that really wants to aggro you, like a Corvus or a Maw or even Thanos, Magneto, whatever, you can. Uh, you can R and D cat at the bottom of at round one at some point, and then she can just walk and stagger them if going last because they're probably narrower than you. And them starting round two with stagger is just crippling. And I don't know, Dean, what else you got? Uh, we yeah, I agree. Time. Yeah, I, I think it's just it, it's crazy because ultimately it's a race, right? Can they kill you before you score with a lot of these lists? And so if you can stop that especially early and you're not on your back foot which is a lot of kind of the attrition they love to kill things top of two daze them top of two kill them round three and if you can delay that and still get activations out of those characters um, it's a really great way to fight into that game plan and black cat just she does it so well she's hard to kill Um, you know if you're rolling well with the elusive trigger she can stagger and then get into stealth um, range and you know it becomes really hard um, to deal with cat 
Yeah, the ideal playline would be something like Moon, Moon Knight goes rapid fire somebody R and D's to like Gwen and Cat, and yep. then Cat you park Gwen somewhere, and then Cat goes up, staggers that big hitter. If you high roll the elusive, you move away into stealth range, into probably a lifesaver bubble. Yep. And it's like really difficult for them to deal with that, which is yeah. great. Yeah, the nice thing about it, too, is once you put that stagger on, then you can really layer on control. So depending on when the stagger happens, um, you can pull them with Gwen. You could throw them with someone, push them, um, and kind of layer on that stagger and really help. So like Maw, he's he's spending a lot of his energy getting back into the fight. Or if you just run away, it works too. Um, and if they're spending that, you know, if he's space gemming in and then shooting you, what he's not doing is probably ending up on a spider portal or ending up on a secure or grabbing an right. extract once he dazes you. Um, and so it's all about, yes, his attack is still very good and you just have to expect that if he's getting a six die mystic attack into you, things can go really wrong. Um, but if that's all he's doing or all any of these big guys are doing is kind of that one big attack, it's very, I think it's very manageable um, to kind of deal with. You just can't let them, you know, double tap, space gem into a better position, throw something. It's, yeah, exactly. You got to limit limit that effectiveness. And stagger is more than just losing an action, typically. Right. And then we've also found that Toad is like very safe going into space small in the beginning of the game. So if you have like a central extract. Toad can walk up to it and stand max two back and interact with it. And then Space Maw, he can't gem or walk. So if he gems forward, he's not in range to throw or attack Toad. So he has to take a move action. So if he just doesn't gem and moves instead, he's in range four to attack. He's not in long range to throw anything at you. So he either double moves and throws something at you, which is not bad. Toad has a very high chance to not die to that. Or he walks, attacks you, in which case you he either rolls the wild and advances you and you take damage or something, and then you have brace online so that you're not dead. Or he whiffs the wild, you take damage, you slippery away, and then he's useless. Um, so there's no, there's no play line where Maw can move forward, throw something at Toad, and then attack him to get around brace. That's just not possible without external help, like a storm jump or whatever. Um, so... I think if your opponent's trying to jam space spawn to you and your scenario team, try to play Toad as best you can. And if there's obviously something to grab, if there's like scroll or something, then you're going to be a little sad. But if you're specifically (laughs) if you're specifically in Web Warriors, you can force the activation order too, which is kind of cute because if Toad with Toad being max two back, if he doesn't immediately go, you can R and D a power to Gwen and he'll be in lifesaver range. So you can in deployment, you can just set up your lifesaver, and if he doesn't go with Maw. Right after you go with Toad, Lifesaver's online. Typically. Yes, exactly. And that's even worse for him. So he kind of just has to go if he gets a shot at it at all. Yep. And it's super dicey. The chance that Toad dies to a six dice attack is very low. Yep. So maybe you get lucky and there's a terrain Toad can stand on and get cover in the yep. midline, which makes it even worse for Maw. So, yeah, standing which... on stuff dictates what he throws at you, too. So yep. if there's you know a lot of big terrain in the board, go stand on the size two. Yeah, I found that, that if there's like a size five on the map, like if you just stand on the size five, he just like can't throw anything at you. Yep. <laughs> Which is kind of yep. cool too. Yeah. Can you guys talk about the presence of Juggernaut at the event and the, and you both played him as well? 
Yes. How did that go? So I thought so. Juggernaut was bigger in my head than he was at the event. So he's he he was in a lot of lists. Um, I don't actually think I've played against him at all. Yeah, I think there was like seven out of eight in the top eight. Yeah. So we went through quite a few versions of how do we stop Juggernaut, right? So he's just good into your typical web warriors. Um, he's good into Panther because none of that can move him. So it's trying to find those characters that are really good at dealing with Juggernaut. And um, after going through, you know, uh, Rogue and Captain Marvel and Angela, um, the answer just turned out to be Juggernaut. Just bring him in his card and be done with it. Um, you know, he is insanely tanky, so he can do, you know, he, he loves just going and sitting. Um, he can be an R&D battery, so he just kind of fits the roster. But mostly he was in the list to be able to be brought in in the event that someone else brought Juggernaut. Um, the only game I think it was super relevant for me was in the final. Uh, Peyton had Juggernaut in his roster, and I just decided if he brought him on Spider Portals, I didn't care too much. I would just... Um, I would figure out how to either Black Cat or Miles the Herb and, and call it good. But yeah, he's definitely uh, almost omnipresent. Uh, which is a challenge um, because he is very, very strong. Um, he has very strong tactics cards. He's very hard to kill if you don't have specific tools. Um, so he, he was scarier, I think, in the thought process than he ended up being at the event. But Well, you, you just mentioned one objective that kind of countered him. Was that maybe more prevalent than you realized or was you just didn't play maybe the objectives where that he was relevant to you um know. i actually don't know that anybody i played had juggernaut in their roster up until the final i think i just dodged him for the most part um hmm. which is weird but um i played against him once and he uh my opponent was trying to do like brotherhood herb tricks with juggernaut and lockjaw um, i brought juggernaut that game and just used him to score the herb anyway so, um, yeah, Juggernaut's good. He's strong. He's hard for Webwares to deal with. I think we got a handle on it now. Um, you just make it so it's unappealing for Juggernaut to go after Gwen, and then you kind of just ignore him. Um, he's if there's enough if there's enough scenario on the table, he's just he can't do everything. Um, yeah, I mean Map D is kind of awkward for him, especially a pay to flip yeah. like. Spider portals. Granted, that's only one in the entire game, but you know, <laughs> there's yeah. that. You really just want to limit his ability to affect multiple parts of the board. So you don't want because, like, he wants to walk, punch something, and then dash somewhere, right? So if you kind of position yourself appropriately to where, like, if he walks and punches something, the dash is not it's hard to be back on a secure, for example, um, because of where you just, where you're positioned. Uh, that's good because then he's kind of out in the middle of nowhere and he's not scoring typically. Um, lifesaver is also really good. Spider trackers really good into juggernaut. Just, um, if you, if you're playing close, just because he wants to be walking to get that power generation going, um, he can always stop outside of four and then push himself in. And I think he's still in range, but, um, you're fine if he's playing around Spider Trekker all game long. That's a mental tax that's just rough on most people. So there, there are ways to deal with him. Um, I'm less scared of him now than I was 
at the beginning of the event, just seeing it and um, understanding when I was using my own. But I mean, he's still incredible. So yeah, Juggernaut's a really good model. Um, I'm, I'm I've cooled on him a little bit. I think a lot of that has to do with the crises that we're playing, which I think is probably the next uh, thing to talk about. So against conventional wisdom, we were playing uh, two pay to flips with webs, which is Madman and Spider Portals. Uh, Scoundrels is a no brainer. I've like almost never lost on that crisis, even against Syndicate. Uh, webs can beat Syndicate on that. You just have to play the matchup properly and have the right characters. But that's yep. another topic. But yeah, so we brought the pay to flips because a lot of people that want to jam high threat characters like Space Maw or Juggernaut or Magneto or Hulk. And uh, the answer just is just to like not let your opponent play them. And if they do, they go they take a massive scoring disadvantage. So or even Thanos is another one. So like these characters, the flip secures let you run around the table, flip them and go readdress other areas. Whereas if you're on extremists, you have to stand there and then Thanos can move you off and those sorts of things, and you just lose a lot of value. Um but the big characters can't be everywhere at once and they can't flip everything. And then also in spider portals, if they just roll a skull, they get teleported and it's terrible for them. Uh so that, that's that's the the thought process, and I think web warriors are quite good at both of those. I wouldn't know me, meteors and sword are terrible, so I wouldn't play those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of the the question comes down to, but what about power economy? Is is always the question, right? Like, aren't webs power starved? The answer is, if you don't have a plan, yes, you will immediately feel the effects. Um, but I think a lot of ways, um, characters like Moon Knight being a web warrior, it's just great. Um, because he is in a potentially insane power battery. Um, you know, if he rolls his move, for example, he can have five power on turn one if someone's in range. Um, most of the time you're trying to roll the blank and then walk and shoot somebody. And then you can get three or four power to hand out, per, two or three power to hand out pretty easily if he's picking something up. Um, so it's just about having a plan, understanding what your what your turn looks like. Um and then when you inevitably fail, not worrying too much about it. I think that's the biggest thing with pay to flips is sometimes they're going to feel really bad and you just have to be okay with it. Yeah. yeah it helps have more characters, of, right? right? Right. So I was just going to say that. Yeah. Don't underestimate a lot of these players willingness to want to jam these high threat models, no matter the cost. Yes. So if they do that, you just have more characters with more dice to try to interact. So that's how you fix the bad rolls. I've noticed mm -hmm. people trying, I've fallen for this too in the past. You know, you're like, I can get away with Thanos on Madman. Not a chance. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that... spider portals yeah. is especially the same thing. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Yep. But yeah, it's like the, the skull is such a attacks and to be like oh i'm gonna play this six plus threat character and i'm not gonna roll a skull all game because all it really takes a lot of times is one if the you know everything else is even let's say you're a one skull and that can just lose you the game potentially um so it's a good way to punish that tall mentality exactly yeah and it's kind of obvious but mike said it but it's i can't say enough how like the whole thing is like go last with Thanos, move like two or three characters, and make people not score VPs. But with pay to flips, that's just not relevant act activity, you know. 
and Thanos with the space gem is pretty mobile, but just going over and scoring like map D or map B, having to go score just one VP it could be like Thanos's entire turn. It's just not a good look for That's that. That's a character. terrible Thanos activation. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really <laughs> not what you're trying to do with the game. So yeah. And then obviously just run away, which you kind of alluded to even with Juggernaut of like, just let Juggernaut be a big expensive character, you know, flip the point and then just leave, you know? Yeah, you're not um, going to yeah. stop a lot of these characters from doing what they're doing. Like, that's why they cost so much. You just need to make it inefficient to do it. Yeah, good good point. Yeah, because you're getting like Toad and say Moon Knight for the cost of their one Juggernaut. And if at the end of the day, all Juggernaut did was like flip over one secure then like okay <laughs> that's not very efficient compared to your two characters you know exactly. we're also generating power just by the fact they're two characters they're getting you're getting two power per turn from two characters you know one each but you know what i'm saying it's a it's a great um, toad activation to flip two yeah. things right like just if he can just interact with one double walk interact with the other cool i'm, I'm happy yeah, with that. mutant madman right you do like one attack get a power and probably you put hopefully push them off, but maybe you don't. Then try to flip it. Then go move once and flip the next thing. Yep. It's just gross what Toad can do. I'm definitely coming around to Toad just being like the best two threat at this point. I mean, yeah, Toad's good insane. Ones. I just see him do more than three threats, like pretty much in every game. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, well, I don't so, know if yeah. you have another question lined up, Mike, but I'm curious if and the guy's got to explain the, uh, and I can't even remember the cat and the spider or whatever it is. Like, you, I got, I can't let you not mention that card. Ah, true. So, Dean, you talk about that card. Yeah. So, uh, so the card, what it says is, um, if Black Cat and Peter Parker, so either ASM or Corp Peter, are within two of each other, they pay one each. You throw Black Cat medium um the card throws black cat medium and um and then at the end of the throw she can interact with any objective for free um so the easiest kind of version of this is that you can turn one steel with black cat um, it costs you a power on each of them and a card so it's expensive um, but if you have characters that can punish uh standing on the midline you can walk throw a black cat to the center, and then she can long move away, um, which is cool. Uh, the other thing that she can do is on, um, on like, pay to flips, uh, for example. She can, like, a hammer's spider portals, if that's what you get. Uh, she can interact, grab a hammer, and run away. And then you still have Peter, who can kind of go impact webbing someone or something. Um, it's an expensive card. I never actually ran it. Um, I think the idea is probably better than the card itself. Um, but certainly having that tool kind of in the toolbox where I do have a midline seal without ASM was, was cool. Yeah. We also found that being able to keep tempo into brotherhood when they're threatening deception all the time, Yes, like toad, isn't very safe to go to the midline against brotherhood. They have a lot of ways to punish you sitting in the middle. And if you can keep tempo safely against them, you're pretty advantaged. So that card lets you get around that. Unfortunately, it's like, it gets screwed over by terrain sometimes because like if you move cat somewhere and then the throw line to the middle is like blocked by terrain, it's annoying. You can't do it. And, and cat's so. mobile enough that 
she can get to where she needs to be most of the time. And if she's not surrounded by everyone, it's probably pretty safe. So, like, I've thrown her at a back madman before. Um, and then <laughs> I was away. there for that. And then run away. Yeah, yeah, I did that against you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's just, like, it's just expensive. Unless you're getting an extract, it's probably and a thing. It's probably not worth it, um, just because you can whiff the madman roll, for yeah. example. So the card, the card is fun. The card has its applications. It's just it's a pretty niche, and I never ended up needing it. It does have that effect yeah. where you're at an event and nobody has a clue what you're doing, and you can throw people off. I, I know the first time. Really, even the first couple times you've used it, uh, I'm just like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> it's just like hard to wrap your head around <laughs> until you actually see it used. And, and, you know, you're not sure. Is this a turn one play? Is this like a later in the gameplay? Like, what is happening? Um, and, you know, I just so happened that you guys have used it against me, I think, like three times now. And every time it was different. Yeah. And I mean, I realized you were probably just being crazy with the Madman play, but I still didn't see it coming. And if you had flipped that point, I would have been really sad about it because uh, it does give you like that edge right away, right. which, you know, webwares are more than happy to take a VP lead on turn one. one normally, like, for example, Madman's tends to be kind of even, right? Like it's generally 2-2 two, two, and that's then the end of the day. So if you can kind of just like last activation, like flip it over, steal it from someone, especially since you're usually running like six characters and most people run like five or less. Uh, it could throw people off, you know? Um, Black Panther's and, usually part of those yeah. six and he has no problem like flipping over somebody in the back. True. Usually. Yeah, you can get pretty aggressive with them on Madman with if you have Panther and some of these other tools you can really push your opponent um, in ways that they don't expect, which is cool, so... Yeah. So, but at yeah. the point too is when you're at an event, there's no like, oh, I'm going to stare at your list for a week and try to unravel <laughs> all your your secrets and mysteries. You know, yeah. Uh, you really get a little boost from having some secret tech in a real life situation. Yeah, I had more than one uh, one person comment and kind of get big eyes when they saw Corpeter, like just in my roster when I said, "Oh, this is what I'm running." Oh, Corp Parker. And then when I finally put him on the table, it's like, oh, what, what's happening here? But he's he's like a four-threat Gwen with more control, so it's not a bad thing. Do you have any really cool Parker plays? Uh, so Mike already mentioned the Dazing Strange, which was just fun. Um, it's mostly just dice. Really, yeah, it's just not a great, not a great play, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but he did, so in my game, first game on Sunday, in my rematch, I ran... Um, I ran Peter against uh, the Midnight Suns, which is a little weird, um, but it was on Madman, and so he was able to just kind of be super mobile. Uh, so there was a point in the game where him and Blade were on my back left Madman, and Parker had taken a bunch of damage from Blade, like three or four the turn before. So he pulls Blade towards the center of the table. Like through he himself. Threw- Threw himself, yep. He then throws Blade towards my board edge. Then he shoots him with an impact webbing and gets the wild and pushes Blade further into my board edge. He flips <laughs> the madman he's on, runs to the other one, and flips the back madman. And that basically <laughs> put the game away. It was like, this is absurd, the amount of control this character has. Like, if you're size two, uh, don't stand near a full power Peter Parker because you're probably not ending your turn where you want to be. Oh so that was that was really cool. It was I, I said to myself uh, when we went 
to Sunday. I was like, I have to get this character on the table. Um, and then when he wasn't kind of a detriment to the overall plan, when he did cool things, I'm sorry, it, it felt pretty good. So nice. Yeah, I think, cool. uh, yeah, I think Park. I think Parker's a really solid four threat. I mean, people love Venom. I, I think I like Parker more. Um, the sad part is, is that I think Parker's a hard ask in your ten because a lot Web Warriors core is so good at what they want to be doing. You have to offset of situations that they're not good at with your splash characters. It's been my experience and philosophy with them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, every time I look at the roster and I'm like, I need to bring some. I need to make a change. He's the the question is always, can I afford to keep him in? Um, stubbornly, I've answered that question with yes. Uh, but in an, if you're trying to be like super sweaty, uh, try hard mode, the answer is probably no. Um, but he, I think that the the problem with Parker and his lack of play is just that he's not a person you're probably going to put on the table every single game with some of the other tools they have. Like Miles Cat Gwen um, or Miles Cat Moon Knight is probably where you start every game. Um, and then if Parker fits great, uh, so, which can be annoying, like, because I think, I think of ASM a lot the same way. So it's sad that we don't have a Parker that can do things, um, like that is like the, you know, it's the web warriors and you're not playing Peter every game. That's, that's sad. Yeah. Um, but you know, being able to put him in the roster, it does, it did make me kind of reevaluate kind of the way that I evaluate characters. That's probably the biggest lesson is like. Sometimes it's okay uh, to revisit these things. I mean, it's always okay, right? But just really, what are you trying to do? What role does he fit? Because um, I was down on him for a long time, and I finally just decided to start jamming him. And like he does, he's he's a lot like Gwen. Uh, he gets to roll impact webbings, uh, which is probably one of the better attacks in the game. Quite frankly, um, he gets to he has webline. It's unlimited pulls. Uh, he has a throw on top of that. Um, you know, being a long mover is cool. Um, and you can be more daring with him because he does have spider sense. So, you know, I've, I've won games where I just double run Peter behind somebody after an R&D and, like, pull Hulk off the point, like a researcher. And I can just control Hulk with web lines for a, a lot of the game. Um, so he definitely has his role. Uh, if you're playing Web Warriors, I think you should give him a shot and see if he fits. Um, you know, the him versus Venom conversation is super interesting because I think Venom Venom has bigger control. They're mediums. Um, he just doesn't fit the way I want to play the Web Warriors. Like, I'm playing map D pay-to-flips or map B pay-to-flips, and I don't necessarily want Venom to be on map D ever, quite frankly. But uh, So I'll concede I just, that Venom is good on Madman. Yeah. Yes, he can. He can flip. Yeah. Um, I think the my challenge with Venom is if he gets if they have control, it's, he's got to get back to the Madman, um, and he doesn't. I don't like. I don't want to be moving with Venom a lot. I just, just want to be using his attacks. But uh, I also don't run him a ton, so I'm probably not the best person to be answered like talking about him. He's just he doesn't have the hyper mobility that is the way that I want to play the Web Warriors. And there's just so many ways to bully Venom. Like Thanos bullies him by himself. Shuri. No problems. Like, Juggernaut can just walk up and yeet Venom long, and it's, like, terrible for him. Strange's scalpel is one of my favorites. Yeah, you can scalpel Venom. I guess you can scalpel anybody, but Venom, Venom getting moved is so crippling, and he just feels like he doesn't do anything. Uh, 
So I don't know. Well, I got to ask you though, because I, I think the obvious one is, well, why why even bother with Parker when you have already um, Panther in your roster? That's a question uh, for Deaton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because at 17, you can run them both. Or at 20, you okay. can run them both. Um, I, it does a lot of times come down to, like, so Panther's almost an auto-include in most of the squads that I run because he's just so good. Um, yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah, Panther's absurd. He's, like, a perf- the perfectly designed four threat. But um, so a lot of games where I would want one four, I pick Panther. Um, what he does do, um, what Parker does do is allow me to um, run like a different set of web warriors. Like if I need to be six wide, I don't have to run all four of my three threat web warriors. So there was a game where I was able to bring like, uh, like Parker Panther at uh, 20. I ran Parker, Miles, Gwen, Cat, Panther, and Iron Fist instead of having to run Moon Knight, um, which I love Moon Knight, but in that game, it was against the Midnight Suns, Corvus Proxima, and Ghost Rider. If I can get an Iron Fist off, having Heroes for Hire. Um, so he allows me to play with the threat like that a little better. Um, that's cool. So, yeah. That's yeah, why. I dig it. I guess we could talk about a little... We had some Splash characters uh, that are probably people interested in. Uh, so Iron Fist is there to counteract aggro teams, specifically like Corvus as well, to like layer on. Here's fire with like staggers and they just get shut down. Um, you can play a 16 with like Miles, Gwen, Cat, Panther, and Iron Fist into Black Order and you probably will win that game if you play it properly. Uh, Vision was there for some cool interactions. Like Vision can walk, interact, synthesis, advanced R&D. Um, he also kind of dunks on Guardians. Like, if you're just beaming Rocket and Groot, like, Groot's probably just getting double attacked. Yep. Um, he can, he has a terrain throw, and getting into terrain's, like, really good because there's characters like Maw and Magneto and Juggernaut that throw it at you. If you just remove it, take less damage. Uh, Vision also has some other cool things, but that's that's mostly well, why. Five energy defense with a reroll is pretty sick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He gets five with reroll. Um, I had Hood uh, just because I think Hood is awesome. He's like one of my favorite three threats. Um, I was able to play Hood and Vision with the four three the four three threat web warriors on demons, and I almost tabled my Guardian's opponent. All he had left was like an injured Rocket, just because of Vision and Hood just blowing people up. <laughs> it was just med packing my team. Uh, yeah, Hood is the one where I I've been trying to fit him. Um, ever since the the event, the whole week, I guess. But um, he's he's the one that's hard to leave out. Hood is just incredible at whatever he wants to do. Yeah, and without Black Order, you do need to maybe have an answer for those more aggressive objectives like demons and yeah, so I what think, is it, intrusions or whatever. Yeah, so I can t- I can take this into like what I'm playing now. But uh, yeah, I, I thought I was like, okay, well, if I just bring in like splash characters like Vision, Hood, whatever, I can fight people on demons. And that's true for the most part, but Meteors is especially bad because Vision and Hood just like can't flip Meteors. And then it's just like, it just feels super dicey, you know? Like sometimes Gwen just insta dies in the middle. Miles immediately dies in the middle. Like you just, it's just not something you want for consistency. 
Uh, what do you think about that, Dean? Um, I, don't, like, I, don't I think know. it's winnable. It's it's, it's, it's just, hard. Eh. Yeah, it's it's tough, right? Like it's a it's a bad matchup in general. Um, but yeah, the, trying to solve this problem is like put my brain in a pretzel. <laughs> it's like, what do I yeah. do here? Um, so, yeah. and I, it's I like Black Order. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just go ahead. I was just gonna say. I agree. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, and the Black Order isn't really the solution I'm looking for anymore because we have pay to flips and like a bunch of white extracts, and those are all just terrible for Black Order. So. Lately, I've been playing Shadowland Daredevil as a splash. Uh, so I got Daredevil. Hood's already there. And then I have got I put in Bucky. And then, obviously, Cat's affiliated. So you could play six wide criminals. Um, and, oh my god, they have been dicing the crap out of people. <laughs> like, I'm also... Yeah. I've been running hammers anyway. So, like, when you put a hammer on Bucky with the Daredevil reroll, and then you just tack on, like, Blind Obsession, maybe... Oh, he just vaporizes everybody. Gosh, yeah, and then obviously Hood. <laughs> Hood just loves rerolls. Why not? Yeah, I've been playing like seventeen. I'll play like Daredevil, Hood, Bucky, uh, Moon Knight, and like either Black Panther or Voodoo. And yeah, you just like decimate people with dice. <laughs> oh my gosh, Moon Knight! Damn. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Moon Knight's sick. It's funny how. I don't know. It's just funny because Dizzard used to be so high in Moon Knight. Now he hasn't played him in months. And it's just like, I don't know. Moon Knight to me is like the Gambit I wish, you know, he's like, he's like my son. That Like, I, <laughs> I wish you were Gambit, but yep. you're so awesome. And I, I, you described like, I do also get mega joy out of Hood. I think he's one of the coolest characters in the game. Like, I just AMG hit a home run on Hood. But I think Moon Knight's not far behind, so I'm just super jealous you're, you're playing both of them, having such a good time with it. Moon yeah, Knight's yeah. It, like, he's, yeah, I love Moon Knight. I, I mean, he, I obliterated, who was it, Mordo, I think, in the final with his spender. Like, yeah. It's just, I rolled seven. <laughs> evaporated or him. Yeah. He just, his ability, his flexibility is really cool. So when you look at him, he's like, oh, he just is probably going to throw shurikens, but like, if you're getting extra dice, you can boast staff people and you can push people off of points and teleport to them. Like he's a very, um, he's a very versatile character that doesn't necessarily seem like it at first glance. Um, and a lot of it is playing around multiple personalities early. Um, but yeah, there's some, he's just been really great. Anytime you can kind of support him with a reroll, obviously in daredevil, um, but if he's, you know, I played him a lot in Suns, and I didn't like him just because relying on him as your only damage dealer or main da- damage dealer, uh, like you have to do a little bit in Suns is not great. But in Webs, in Daredevil, he just has this completely different outlook that I, I love. And I'm coming yeah. around to the fact that all webbed up is better for the slow than the dice. But Moon Knight, have you have you used Moon Knight to just? dice someone with all webbed up at all oh, dude yes. it's like most games <laughs> really because i mean you have to admit I, like when you mike you lost in season six to the to basically getting all webbed up and then the slows all over your characters and uh, i remember I, I took away from that game like good god that slow was just super mvp um and yeah, i've yeah. seen in that you game do it was. to me you know I, i've i believe you did it to me and when we played at lvo in the cut and it just sealed the deal, right? Like you just slowed my characters and it's like, I'm never going to catch him now, <laughs> you know? 
and you just yeah. you can't afford to remove the slow because it's just like now you're not moving anyways. It's win win for you. Yeah, you know. Um, so I've come around to like probably for webwares you focus on the slow more, or you, tr- you should try to as a webware player. But that doesn't mean you still can't like randomly dice people. So yeah, I was kind of curious. It's the versatility of the card, quite frankly. Um, that's incredible. Like I do use it a lot to, um, like if, especially if I have a lead, all webbed up, run away, um, just and, and push that mobility. But uh, yeah, I mean Moon Knight, if he rolls his extra dice, Miles when he web swings, um, you know Cat, if you're feeling really spicy, gets a six die with a pierce um on a web dub pierce yeah it's you know um i run montessi so you can use the additional dice on the beam so you can be rolling an eight die beam with any web warrior as a book um you know so yeah it's it is a lot of damage and it can put games away um it can get you back into games um but it's really for me it's the versatility of the card being able to kind of be relevant on every shape depending on what you need um yeah, it just it's it's weird because when you talk about faction cards, I like all webbed up is up there with just the best of them. Like you have Avengers Assemble and Siege and Wakanda Forever that you hear about, and it's like all webbed up is every bit as good as most of those cards. At least. Like it's it's very, very strong. Yeah, there are games where Moon Knight you just like he's a bunch of power because he dazed or something, you roll the extra dice on his personalities and you're like, Alright, well I'm just gonna go to town on somebody. You just pop all webbed up and you just like shuriken spender and they usually just fall over. And it, it's just like the TV show. Like he's just beating the crap out of somebody in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, randomly can just stagger people too. Right. With his bow staff. Yeah. You could, you get like an eight dice full rerolls bow staff and you probably can mod the skulls too. Yeah, it's silly. <laughs> Him and Panther rerolls get silly with Miles's leadership. Yeah, um, Moon Knight's great. You guys want to talk more about the event at all, or uh, I, I one comment I had from looking at it from the outside perspective. Well, first of all, you guys use launch shanks, which was kind of cool to to have as an option, since it lets people follow along with the event even if we're not there. Um, but also, I noticed you know a lot of like one losses we're still making cut you know i think it was only two undefeated actually uh and i i think that i'm coming around to like every event should allow a loss i just think that's the correct way that mcp should be done as an event but um i mean that's just my my take on it but i'm just curious because you guys were there uh any takeaways like you know how it was run like this tables all that stuff you know how did it go yeah, so Bill Boyson is the the TO for that event, and uh, I've gone to it last year and this year now, and uh, he does a fabulous job. Uh, the tables are solid. Uh, the events run at a at a high school in Omaha, and uh, they use the money from the event to fund the debate team, or it's like a, kind of like a fundraiser in that way. That's cool. Uh, the event is held in a it's like in a high school gym, so it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really well run. Bill did a great job. Um, the space was great. So having, you know, I never felt like I was walking on anybody's toes. Um, the volume was good, which is one thing, you know, and sometimes get in smaller areas and it's loud, super loud, hard to hear everything. Uh, I didn't have that, but uh, I, to your point, Sploosh, using long shanks is great. Um, 
personally because it's quick. So if you're running an event, you should use it. It's my little plug. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I do like being able to just pull people's lists up um, without, you know, carrying around a piece of paper and um, it just makes it makes it really simple. But to your point about the, the one loss, yeah, I, I completely agree um, that like a one, like top whatever, maybe top X and one or um, top however many, which allows for a loss as well uh, is the way to go. I, I think, um, especially with the way Marvel's dice can be um, very swingy. Even the crises variants. Yeah, yeah. Like, Because like you your know, game against Aaron is night and day on who wins prio. Yes. Yeah, it's very polarizing, right? So, like, I could have easily gone 4 0, you know, just based on winning that one game. Um, and all my games were close. I don't mean it like that. But, uh, like, a lot of that does just come down to who wins the prior rule there. So, we could have easily just had a flipped tournament where he wins on Sunday morning and is, you know, um, has that has that win. So, I, I like being allowed the one loss. Um, it does take a lot of the pressure off as well. Like, um, and, it, and it makes it easier to then kind of put a loss kind of out of your, you know, if you're being trying to be competitive, trying to win, you just throw the, throw the loss out of your mind. You still got to come back and, you know, play well. Like my last, my, my fourth game on Saturday, it was like, I don't have time to worry about this loss. I, I still want to play a great game um, rather than being kind of frustrated that I'm not going to make it. So I, I would, definitely agree with you there you you bring up a good point in that mike and i played each other in nashcon last year and literally our game was decided with timeout end of round last activation literally nothing else is going to happen for, for the in this game except for mike ruling a 50 50 on sword and if if that was like mike beat me and then i was out of the cut I would probably be a lot more salty, but honestly, just now you mentioning it reminded me that even happened, right? right? So it allows us as players to move on from probably like really frustrating or unfortunate situations, you know? Um, I mean, I think one of the points of our podcast is to be competitive and we don't want to blame dice, but let's be honest, like sometimes some really wild stuff can happen or whatever, and it kind of gives you a little bit of a reset. So yeah, I, I, you know, obviously I agree. I, I brought up the point, but even hearing you talk about it is reinforcing my feelings that you're right. Like I, you're allowed to just lose and say, you know what, that sucks, but whatever, moving on. It's not going to, I'm not going to let that one bad experience define this event for me. I'm going to be able to just move on and do my best in the rest of my games and hopefully make cut. And then, yeah, you did. Awesome. You know? Yeah. I, I like, I would love to see if you're running an event that's like a two day event where you have like a Swiss on Saturday and then a cut to something on Sunday. I was like, you would need like a ton of people to not just allow all X and ones to play on Sunday. Like they do in the league when we do the cut, you know, um, like you would need over, like it's a, like a lot of people in your main event to have more X and ones than you would have time to reduce down past like four rounds. Right. Uh, I hear you. And I think at that time, at, at that point, if you did hit like hundreds of people, then you just have like two day Swiss and then have like a final day kind of thing. Right. You know? 
Yeah, I, w- I would love to see IRL events try to just allow all the X and ones into a uh, single LM on day one. Because uh, it, yeah, it's right. You travel to an event, you're not, you shouldn't be upset if you get to play two days, right? It's not, you know, like dragging it out, as you say, it shouldn't be considered a negative. You, you could probably, I mean, because if it's just like a one day event and you want to be done, and what are you going to do the next day? Like, it's it's better for everyone if more people are included on like a multi day event. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And there's nothing more deflating than losing like your first game, showing up, you've prepared for this thing, you lose your first game, and then it's like, cool. Yeah, you're done. Uh, like, I can't win. Which you know, you can, <laughs> you can still have fun. Like, and it can still be a positive weekend. But you know, if your goal is to be competitive and you're just losing that immediately. Um, can feel really bad. So it's like one answer could be just play better. Sure. Or you could kind of restructure the way some of this works, which I'm in favor of. Plus there's a lot of things here that we could optimize, right? Like Marvel's a pretty quick game actually. And especially with Mark mats that speeds the game up even more. And you bring in chess clocks, which should just be a standard. So like, the game can run very quickly at that point. Um, this is not like Legion or 40 K where you, two and three hours, you know? Right. Um, also, I've watched a lot of fighting games on as esports, and they have, obviously, double elimination. You know, you lose, you go to the loser's bracket. You lose again, the loser's bracket, you're done. But you can, you know, make your way all the way to the grand finals. And, like, watching players make loser's bracket runs is highly entertaining. And uh, that's, that's something I would love to see in this game. Yeah, I wish Chewie was here for that, but I, I've also watched Evo and stuff, and, and to see the loser actually win the whole thing is is pretty epic. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good time, and yeah, obviously, the Marvel's a slower game in terms of duration than like a video game like that, but uh, yeah, a loser's bracket would be the ultimate dream for me. Well, and I'll, and people are playing anyway, right? So it's like all you're really doing is making those games more meaningful potentially right so yeah it's like it's yeah. not like some people will lose one and drop or lose two and drop the majority of players are going to play the entire event regardless so yeah right yeah, there's always going to be that percentage uh and and that's hopefully even if you got two losses in a row people would be willing to stay i it's in theory if you go to an event to play the game and you and it's really just for fun uh you should be eventually hitting a group of people that are of equal skill to you and having good old time, you know, uh, that's the, the theory, you know, and I understand emotions come into this and I know I've definitely done this. And um, unlike you, Deaton, I've probably been to hundreds of events, not for <laughs> Marvel specifically, but you know, many games. And I'm definitely the guy where sometimes I just show up and if I get a loss or two, it's like, well, I came here to win and I didn't really come here for practice games or whatever. You know, I've already played a lot of those. So, yeah, I'm good. I'm done. You know, and even even professional, like, I know Magic players, they, they lose, like, two games. They leave, you know. Uh, well, of course, a lot of them get biased, which is kind of sweet for them. But I do think uh, it's different, too, yeah. the bigger the event gets, right? Like, mm. so if it's a small local event, uh, you know, I, I understand losing. Like, you want to win, you've been, you know, you, you drop if it's you know 16 players or whatever uh at these bigger events like so much stuff can happen in this game that you probably don't want to fly to las vegas 
lose your first game and then be done. Like, you know, it yeah. can happen certainly. So I, I definitely think the bigger your event is, the more you should be considering that kind of change. In fact, that did happen to me at this year's LVO. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I lost I mean, my first that, game. That format was unique though, that you could play again the next day and you were still in the running. I mean, like you even would like just missed like a tiebreaker. To, I to, got uh, I got ninth on Friday. Yeah, I was one. <laughs> I was the the cutoff. So yeah, it was that's tough unlucky. beats. <laughs> but yeah, you still made it and ended up winning the whole thing. So yeah, it's a good thing. And I think uh, the bigger these events get, the more the tournament organizer needs to have alternate formats or other, like more games going on, be, like extra for the people who do lose to have something else to do. Um, you know. MCP is like a baby compared to other games. You know, you've got Magic's been around like 25 years or something. So, like, they know what they're doing. Um, and hopefully we'll get there with our own game uh, so that people have stuff to do if they lose. And then everybody's having fun. Uh, yeah. But I, I, this is um, – I, I got NashCon to look forward to coming up. Uh, I don't know. Actually, Mike, I think you were going to go to Texas. You're, I heard you talking about that. Um, yeah, I'm going to Lone Star Open, and then I'll be at NashCon too. And I believe Deaton's going to NashCon as well. Yep. Hell yeah, bring the whole crew. So but, uh, yeah. I do have a question because I'm never happy entirely with my storage solutions. I, I, do you have any thoughts on like having been to a few real events? Like any tricks or things you've bought that like were like the best thing, and you would never you'd swear by it kind of thing, or maybe bad experiences where you had something that didn't work out. Uh, so I've had. I have. I think we all have the. I don't know if Deaton has one, but you and I have the A case for the minis, which is uh, and I fabulous. Love my case. Yeah, um, they're expensive, but yeah. super worth. And then I actually have an article that may or may not be published on Across the Bifrost. I'll double check after this, but uh, I wrote it. It explains all of my like event carry that isn't minis, so like character cards, rulers, cards, that sort of thing. I'm very happy with it. So. It's kind of modular. It has like a bunch of pieces, but yeah, we can, we can link the article. I had a, like a battle foam case and it broke models um, the last time I took it somewhere. So uh, I just built one of the cheap, I think Nate from the Gamers Guild had a video at one point about like spend $10 and here's mini storage with sheet metal. Um, so I built one of those for this event um, and it was great because I like having one thing to carry. So with the two layers, I've got all my minis on top and then everything I need to play the game down below. Um, and that was my biggest thing for this time was I just, really? I just had one like big, I mean, it's not huge, but uh, one tote basically uh, to, to play. I actually forgot character cards um, for some of the extra models, but because everything for my roster was in this box, I didn't have to worry about it because um, it's all one place hard to misplace at the event. It's like I have everything just with me at all times. So, so you just have like a plastic, like case, like thing that can hold. It's big enough to hold like movement templates and character cards and all the dice, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Yep. So I have to the bottom is just like mm. trays and like my Plano box full of tokens, um, and then the top layer is minis. And I mean, Juggernaut fits in there just fine. Uh, Dormammu can fit on this like if I put him sideways. So. Like magnetize. I, I was just assuming you meant like a, you put like a magnetic like a board or something. Yeah, I just cut a piece magnetize. of cut a piece of sheet metal to fit the bottom of it, and then I just magnetized all the models. Oh, so they sit inside of this thing? Yeah, yeah, they're not inside. like on the top. No, or no, something. no, no, no. Nope, they're covered inside of the top. 
Mm, uh, that's cool. So it's like a two-tiered thing, and then they just sit and top. And it's basically like an A case for. That's like. It's like homemade A case that yeah, holds stuff it, too. It's a DIY uh, A case for sure. Yeah. Uh, afterwards, I have to talk to you guys. I I have one of those things from like Etsy, and it's pretty cool. Like, it's I'd give it like a B ish, B plus for like quality, and that it holds everything. It's like this like multi piece layer thing. And it's okay, but it's like a little fidgety, and um, I don't know. I, I like the idea of just having something in like a, like actually sealed and kind of locked, where this thing kind of like sits on like a bit of gravity. Where that's not the greatest for like putting it in a backpack or something, you know? Because then everything kind of moves around and can kind of fall apart a little bit. Um, so, and Mike, don't you have one of those like template tray thing holders? Yeah, I, I, I have, get the, I have the Cargo Two ruler tray. I use the AMG yeah. rulers. Um, you can buy rulers from him as well. But uh, yeah, I use the tray that they provide, which I like. Keeps yeah. it organized on the table, and I don't lose my rulers. So I use one of those for X-wing, and, and a lot of people did. I'd say like eighty percent of X-wing players use something like that. And the thing I have like has a place for them all, and it's pretty decent. But what stinks is like every game, I'd have to kind of pull them out and put them on the table. So it's really I'm removing them from the tray and putting them on the table because they're not like convenient enough to grab for every movement, um, which then kind of eliminates like one of the benefits of like a, a, a dedicated tray, you know? Right. Uh, and the tray can help you to just keep track of your stuff just by having it there. So Cool. Yeah. All Good right. Stuff. I think we'll wrap it up there. Hey, Deaton, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yep. Yeah, thanks, Dean. All right, thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next week. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our thoughts on the game. As the game changes, the information in this episode may become less relevant, so bear that in mind if you're listening from the future. We also want to thank Discount Games Inc. and Blackgate Games. If you don't have a local game store and they can't get what you're looking for, check out those guys. They'll sort you out. Finally, a big thank you to Atomic Mass Games for making such an awesome game. We'll see you next time in... The Danger Room. Simulation complete.